This is the Maverick Minister Deranged Bible Stories podcast series. Hello, I'm Mike Davis, and welcome to the Great Heroes of Israel collection of the Deranged Bible Stories podcast series. I'm your host for this and all the episodes in this series. If you've listened to any of the others, then you might remember that these stories are based on my deranged thoughts regarding certain readings from the Jewish and Christian scriptures. This episode continues a collection of stories about some of the great heroes of ancient Israel and my thoughts about what some of their spiritual experiences may have been like. Please be reminded that these stories in no way claim divine inspiration, nor do they seek to demean the writings in the Bible. I hope that you might enjoy and be enlightened by them. The Great Heroes of Israel Collection, Number 5 This story is based on the book of Jonah in the Hebrew Scriptures. It tells about how a man named Jonah received a job offer from God, how he tried to opt out of the opportunity, and how persuasive God's hiring approach can be. Here is my deranged thought. In this story, God offers Jonah a job which Jonah obviously hates and has no intention of completing. In fact, If you look at the Bible, God is pretty adept at passing out jobs to people who don't really want them. I have to wonder why God chooses those people for holy jobs. Why not choose people who are willing and want to be helpful instead? Maybe God chooses the unwilling because they happen to be handy and God doesn't have to spend a lot of time looking for someone else who is willing. Maybe it's because nobody's really going to like the job anyway, but it still needs to get done. Maybe it's because the unwilling need the job to help them see themselves and life differently. I just don't really know. Jonah, the Obstinate Prophet It was about four in the morning, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah the prophet. Wake up, God said to Jonah. In obedience to the Lord, Jonah did. Besides, It's hard to sleep when the creator of the universe is yelling in your ear. I'm awake. I'm awake. I'm awake. What can I do for you? Yawned Jonah. I've got a job for you, said God. A job? What kind of a job? No, wait. Before we talk about that, tell me about the salary, the benefits package, upward mobility, and the potential for career advancement. And God said, Jonah, I don't think you understand. You see, when I offer someone a job, there's no salary or benefits package or career mobility. There's just the job. And Jonah replied, So, who wants to work for you? Not too many people, I have to admit, said the Lord. But there are those who do. And in the end, they do a lot better than those who don't. But working for me is always a matter of choice. It's a critical choice. You might even say that it's a life-and-death kind of choice. Okay, I think I'm beginning to get the picture, said Jonah. So, could you maybe tell me a little more about the job? And the Lord said, Absolutely. 
I thought you'd never ask. It's actually a pretty simple job. Basically, I just want you to get involved in the lives of people and be concerned about them. Now what that means is this. Your job will be to help people evaluate their lives. For instance, I want you to help them see the errors in the way they might be living, especially when that way of life puts them on a path to destruction and away from me. I want you to make sure that they know that I'm not ignoring them. Just let them know that I'm aware when what they're doing is wrong. And I know when what they're doing is right. Jonah, I want you to show people that you care about them and through your concern that I care about them. That's the job. So what do you think? Jonah replied, Now, Lord, I'm not trying to be rude or difficult. But what you're telling me about this job seems a little bit vague. Could you maybe give me some specifics? Certainly, said God. In fact, this specifically will be your first assignment. There's a large city called Nineveh east of here. Now I know that you aren't close to the people who live there, and I know that Nineveh isn't exactly your favorite place. But even so, I want you to go there and I want you to tell those people that I've noticed their behavior, and it's unacceptable. In fact, it's rotten, disgraceful, shocking, and appalling. I also want you to tell them that they're on the road to destruction, and unless they get their act together and change their ways pretty quickly, my plan is to do to them what I did to Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember that story, don't you? So... You know you need to make them understand that this is serious, and if they fail to make this change, it'll be a toxic experience. How is that for specifics? Jonah, actually, I think this job is right up your alley. What do you think? I think I'd rather you were asking somebody else to do this. But I'm not asking anybody else, I'm asking you. Look, God, believe it or not, I'm not arguing with you here. I know it's not good or intelligent to argue with God, but let me explain something. You see, you're God. You love everybody, even when they're obnoxious, even when they're Ninevites, even when they are the worst. You love them. You never write them off. You always want them back. Frankly, I don't know what you see in people, but it's really none of my business. Now, me, on the other hand, there are some people that I don't particularly care about. In fact, there are some, like the Ninevites, that I really never want to have anything to do with. If they should get run over by a herd of camels, it wouldn't break my heart. If I see that they're going down the road to destruction, I am more than happy to give them a going-away present and a map. What I'm really trying to say here is that I wouldn't mind taking on your job. But I just don't want to be involved with the lives of everybody, especially people like the Ninevites. I'd just rather deal with the people that I like. So, if we can make that little change in the job, I'm your man. No way, said God. Look, this is an all-or-nothing deal. The truth is that the people you can't stand are the very ones that need you the most. And believe it or not, they're the ones that you need the most, too. You don't have to like them. They probably don't like you either. But you do have to love them. You have to love them in the same way that I love them. Without conditions. Without expectations. 
You have to want the very same thing from me for them that you want for yourself. You have to care about their welfare as much as you care about your own. Look, Jonah, I created all of you, and that makes them my children just like it makes you my child. The bottom line is that this job is about taking care of the whole human family. And Jonah said, Lord, I'm not so sure about this. It's not going to be an easy decision for me, you know. How about give me a couple of days to think it over? God replied, I'll give you until sundown. Then I need the answer. I know you'll make the right choice. Well, Jonah didn't make the choice God was looking for. In fact, he made a run for it and bought a one-way ticket on a cargo ship which left port before sundown. The ship was headed for Tarshish, which is about as far away from Nineveh as you can get, and Jonah felt pretty good about fooling God and getting away. So he decided to take a nap right after the ship set sail. Now, the truth is that it's pretty hard to fool God about anything. But hiding out from God on a boat? Seriously? So shortly after the ship set sail for Tarshish, a terrible storm came up, and it looked like the ship was going to sink. The sailors on the ship were all screaming and running around, trying everything they could think of to keep the ship from going under, when one of them remembered Jonah. He gathered the others, and they went below to wake Jonah up. They had already figured out that he was running away from someone. And it didn't take a Ph.D. to realize that the huge storm which came up out of nowhere had happened because Jonah had somehow aggravated the creator of the universe. So, after considering all of the options available to them, the sailors hoisted Jonah up and tossed him overboard in hopes that the storm would end. And lo and behold, it did. Now, as Jonah was flailing around in the water trying to keep from drowning, God sent a huge fish to rescue him by swallowing him up whole. Well, what kind of a rescue do you expect when you've tried to fool God anyway? He was lucky that he got rescued at all. So, Jonah didn't drown, nor did he get digested by the fish. And just to teach him a lesson and to give Jonah time to think things over, God kept him in the fish's belly for three days and three nights and made him listen to a fish belly timeshare presentation. After that, the fish swam over toward land and barfed Jonah up onto the shore. As soon as Jonah had gotten himself together and washed some of the fish slime off of himself, God dropped by and said, So, Jonah, that was a pretty lame escape attempt, you know. Do you have an answer for me about the job or not? And Jonah quickly replied, Well, Lord, after the opportunity that you gave me to carefully consider all of my options, I guess the answer is going to have to be a yes. I'm your man. When do I start? And God said, I knew you'd make the right choice. You're on the clock now. Get to work. And Jonah did get to work. He went to the people of Nineveh and told them that they were a bunch of serious losers and that God was planning to turn them all extra crispy. Well, the people of Nineveh took Jonah's message seriously and they repented and changed their evil ways immediately. So God's mind about destroying them was changed, they were all saved, and everybody lived happily ever after, except for Jonah. He was so furious at God for not nuking the Ninevites that he had a screaming, stomping, five-year-old type of temper tantrum. 
He yelled at God. And finally, he plopped himself down on the ground in a nobody loves me, everybody hates me, I'm going to go eat worms pout. God tried to reason with him and even told Jonah that he had done a great job with the Ninevites. But it didn't do any good. And believe it or not, the book of Jonah ends right there. With Jonah sitting on the ground, having a full-fledged pity party. So, what's the spiritual insight in the real message of this story? Well, there are actually several spiritual insights in the story, but the real message has to do with just one thing, loving everybody. And therein lies the difficult part for most of us. It really is hard to love the unlovable because they're so unlovable. They're so unlike us. Their values are all wrong. They don't even know how to think correctly. And on and on and on. The fact of the matter is that we can come up with all kinds of reasons why the unlovable are so unlovable. But mostly, we just don't like them. And we have the mistaken notion that we can't love people that we don't like. But when you really think about it, loving people is what life is really all about. The Bible says that's the reason we were created. And all of God's commandments center around loving and caring for people. But it was that Jesus guy who said that we have to love everybody, even the most unlovable. And that's just not as easy as it sounds. So why is it so hard to do? I think the biggest problem with the whole concept is another mistaken idea. The idea that we have to feel good about everybody in order to love them. That isn't the kind of love that God is talking about. In fact, Loving people on that level has nothing to do with liking or feeling good about them at all. Not that it's a bad thing if we do love, like, and feel good about some people. They're the people who are easy to love and care about. It's the ones we dislike and don't feel good about that are another story. Loving them has to do with our attitudes and our actions, and those are things we can choose and control. You see, loving is a way of life, not a warm, fuzzy emotion. We can't command it. We can't command any of our emotions. Nobody can put a gun to our head and order us to feel good about this or that person. When Jesus said, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you, he meant that we have to let go of our agendas for and our preconceptions about other people. And we have to let them be who they are. We have to choose to see them as people just like us and treat them that way, even when we don't really feel like it. He even said that we have to go out of our way to be kind and caring, even for people that are not kind and caring to us. It would be nice if we could water that commandment down and make it a little bit more palatable, but we can't. Why? Because a lack of love and acceptance is at the root of every personal, family, national, and world problem that we have today. And until we find a way to love the unlovable, our problems won't go away. They'll just simply continue to multiply. I remember back in the 1980s hearing Archbishop Desmond Tutu speak about the way to overcome the racist apartheid regime in his home country of South Africa. 
He said that all the world sanctions and the pressures that were being brought to bear against the South African government at that time were good and necessary, but they would never change the root of the problem with racism in his country. He said that no revolution, no police, no armies could ever bring the change that was necessary for his nation and for the world, because none of those things can ever bring about a change of heart or a change of attitude. And what the people of his nation and what the people of the world needed in that time was a loving change of both. What our world needs just as desperately right now is that same kind of change of heart and attitude. But neither hearts nor attitudes seems to change very well on a global or national level. Hearts and attitudes seem only to be changeable on an individual level. And only when people are willing to be open to God's love, power, and persistence. What our world could use right now are people whose hearts are open to being changed for the better. And maybe we could also use some who might be willing to help other hearts and attitudes be changed as well. Actually, I think the job is still open for someone to pick up where Jonah left off.